Hey everyone, and welcome to the Envision Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Hanquist, and I'm the CEO of Envision Nutrition. I'm here to take you from imagining your future possibilities to turning them into actual realities. I have taken everything I've learned over the course of the last five years of bodybuilding and have combined it with my 15 years of experience of being a busy working mom and putting others first for so long, I knew it was finally time to figure out how to pour life into myself so that I could be the best for others. And that, my friends, is when life really started to take off for me. Now I am bringing all that I've learned over to you through this very podcast, and I'll be releasing a new episode every single Tuesday morning. So be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications because you don't want to miss a thing. Today on the Envision podcast, we get to talk with one of Envision's very own nutrition coaches, Marcos Rivera. Marcos is a proud husband and father of one with another one on the way really soon. He's a former high achieving CrossFit athlete that used to run himself into the ground until he finally learned that with proper nutrition and rest, he could become so much better. Marcos currently works in the clinical field of hormones and has now spent the last six years helping people just like you. I'm excited to bring this topic to you guys today because it is a hot topic right now. Today, we're going to be talking about everything from sex drive to what alcohol does to our body fat and everything in between. Get ready, you guys. This is going to be a good one. Let's welcome Marcos to the show. Good morning, you guys. I am here with Marcos Rivera. He is one of our coaches with Envision Nutrition. I'm very excited to talk with him today and just pick his brain about some holistic natural approaches that we can, you know, look into to see what it is that we can do to improve our lives and um, when it comes to hormone function. So thanks for joining me today, Marcos. Just in general, give me a breakdown of, you know, your qualifications, your career, your background. Let's just, um, you know, let our listeners kind of learn about you a little bit. So uh, I actually started um, as a mentee of uh, Jason Phillips uh, back in the day. That probably goes back, Jesus, six, seven years ago at this point. And, you know, I was just- You're you're uh, an OG. I'm like, yeah, I'm one of the OGs when he was like in the startup phase of his life, yeah. uh, trying to figure out what he really wanted to do with his passions. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, I think that you could be a good fit. Actually, my mom kind of picked his brain at regionals when we we're training CrossFit. Uh, you know, like, hey, what do you do exactly? <laughs> and uh, then it, it eventually spiraled and led to me learning under him. Um, and I, you know, he's like, hey, go find some people that you can try to apply these principles with. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give that a go. Found two or three people and basically was working with these people, you know, under his tutelage, so to speak, his methodologies yeah. um, and, and trying to figure out how to better help them with performance. So my first guinea pigs were people already have a general understanding of fitness, have a general understanding of how to eat well um, and, you know, applying some parameters, right? Macro parameters. Yeah. Um, and then from there, um, you know, these guinea pigs are these case studies essentially, or kind of what turned into the idea approach behind NCI in a sense, you know, he was yeah, passing right. on knowledge to coaches that wanted to learn his methodology. And he figured, Hey, like, this is a very good idea. People want to learn application and not just science, which is, yeah. you know, exactly what I wanted to do at the time. Those first couple ones were literally just like family friends that, you know, and gym friends that were 
again, looking to just try to apply something. I was like, Hey, like, I'm not charging anything. Like, I just want to learn how to do this. Uh, and again, they just, they saw some visual evidence and I kind of reported that biofeedback back, which we know is the most important figure mm-hmm. when being able to go forward for, um, you know, our clients. But again, it's, it's always just kind of been, you know, fueled by, you know, just get thrown into the fire and figure it out from there. Right. Um, and you were big into, into CrossFit, right? And that's kind of actually how you got started into this whole journey. Yeah. You know, dumb college kid, not sure where he wants to go changing his major seven times. Uh, and the one thing that stayed consistent, uh, with those two things was actually my, which I have my degree in is math and fitness. So, uh, apply, you know, apply those two things together. You get a, uh, a very macro based approach because it's all math analytics and kind of dissecting some patterns to be able to understand people. And again, that's where I value the data approach because you can make some decisions based off of, you know, a bunch of different metrics that feed into this, you know, very complex equation that is the human body. Well, and you can take the emotion out of it too and do, you know, what's best based on that data for the client versus, you know, how they're feeling emotionally. As you become a better coach, you have to weigh in the emotional component, right? And and I think a lot of the check-in calls I even have with my clients to this day is more so related on their emotional approach to eating than it is behind the the analytics side of things, right? Because I can look back before ever getting them on the phone and be like, there was a three-day gap of data, like what gives, you know? And I was like, oh, like so-and-so came in. It's easy, you know, usually it's happy experiences. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. since COVID hit, it's been like, yo, like my my mood and mentality is like, I don't, I'm feeling burnt out. I need something, you know, what gives? And then it's like, well, I got to pump the brakes a little bit. These targets are making things worse for my clients and we need to reevaluate how to make them happy again. Yeah. So, yeah. so. If you take somebody that's, you know, in a super high stress environment and you see that there's, um, you know, days of data missing, there's obviously something deeper there that needs to be uncovered. 100%. And, uh, you know, there's also, there's also other variables too. Some people never actually input their stuff into their trackers for me and they never will. And they, they value the phone call and they'll post pictures and we're still making great success. And, but I always wonder if that person just spent, you know, went that a little extra mile to put it in, how much better would they be? And uh, I think even precision nutrition kind of hammered it home. There was like, if you even just have 50% more compliance than you did before when you're just eating like shit, right. That you're going to see a five pound weight swing in a, in a one year, you know, span essentially. Yeah. Um, and then they said, if you move that compliance up 10%, it's like an extra, five percent or sorry five pound increase of of composition change right and then if you have up to like 80 percent which is kind of i think the golden number you know like 80 percent of the time i'm eating really well 20 percent of the time it's you know not tracking not really caring um and people were still able to change like i think 17 pounds is what they said based on their their findings and they have like a nice visual graphic that you can go see this i'm not trying to i'm not making it up i promise i saw it somewhere the numbers may not be right but i know i saw it somewhere um that is so interesting though, because I think as nutrition coaches, we think a lot about compliance and it's like, ah, if they don't comply, I can't work with them, but that's not necessarily always the case. Well, yeah, exactly. You're, you're my drive for every client I have is building consistency. Now, 
consistency varies based on that person, right? They may not be very consistent on putting their stuff in, but I don't care about that necessarily. Um, I always try to bring it up in a topic of conversation, like, oh, I'll get better about it. But ultimately too, just having the accountability of me calling them, you know, every seven to 10 days builds them into, you know, a, a moment of uh, like, Hey, like I have, I just talked to Marcos. I'm going to have an awesome week. And then if that five day span and the weekend shows up, they have two days bad again, that's still way better than they would have been if that call never occurred. Yeah, that's so the that's the, again, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I want to get into, you know, the topic of hormones a little bit, because I feel like you're, you know, somewhat of an expert in that field of things. And that's such a huge topic for people, because I don't think they realize how big of a role hormones can play in our progress. And then in our everyday lives, our energy, our mood, et cetera. So what is the biggest, um, I guess the biggest concern that you see with your clients in regards to um, hormone function. Client related versus patient related is different, right? My day job of working under a doctor versus mm -hmm. my clients that I, and that I work with through our Envision Nutrition um, are two different kind of sides of the spectrum, right? Yeah. From a client standpoint, that the demographic that we generally are working with uh, I'm not as concerned with their hormone health initially because I don't know if they're as metabolically damaged or if they are truly as messed up as they say they are. And maybe yeah. they are just looking for an excuse because they don't have the drive to be consistent. Right. You bring up a huge point. Everybody tries to want to blame their lack of success on something mm -hmm. clinical when it really could be a just lifestyle choice, like, or a habit change or a habit shift that could mm -hmm. make them feel and perform better versus, oh, I need to, you know, get on some kind of a hormone therapy treatment when that's not really the case always. Yeah. And, and that's where also too, it's so different because everybody's numbers when it relates to, we'll just take the easy one, testosterone, for example, um, mm -hmm. can the way that you're perceiving that value is very different than how I will perceive that value, right? Uh, my numbers, when I had them checked for my total testosterone was right in the middle, like 617, if I remember, right. And I was, you know, as a 26 year old male and they're like, well, that's in range. It's like, yeah, I don't know any different. Cool. It's in range. I don't feel asymptomatic. And I'm going to use some terms that people may feel, find a little cringe, but this is how they do it in, uh, that, uh, classical definition. Uh, I don't have hormones though. So yeah, I know talking about it, right? on, this might not be the podcast for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't not have libido. I don't not have, you know, like in again at 600, but like someone that may be 40 or 50 years old, 600 might be where they coming in at, but they were at 1200 back in the day. Right. Yeah. Because we know that these values have significantly dropped over the course of years for people. Yeah. Uh, and so they are asymptomatic. Yeah. Due to stress. And so they are symptomatic, whereas I am asymptomatic. I don't know any different. And my body's made adaptations to make that change. Um, their, their body's making changes in the other direction. Cause you know, when they were a teenager or in their mid twenties, that that value was significantly higher. Right. And again, yeah. the receptors on the, how they're perceiving that is, is, is completely different. So it's, you know, not one lab value does it make uh, for that individual. It, it needs to be looked at from the umbrella of like, do you have symptoms, you know, uh, 
along with it, even though you may not be clinically low. And so that's where it's, it's very interesting. And there's always a little bit of a, an argument. And that's why I was always like a gray area when it comes to hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. It's because, you know, there are such a big span of numbers. Um, and you know, it's, it's like this to say that BMI is the best metric for, you know, determining whether or not someone's obese, where, whereas, right. right. We, we kind of know that's not the case anymore. Yeah. Um, we know that how many millions of people, how many, there's a one or 2 billion people that live in China or in Asia. Correct. Yeah. And right. So like literally a, uh, 25% to 30% of the world's population is a smaller, not frail, but a little more frail framed individual. And so it shifts this metric over into this category. And so again, you, you were damned if you're just using that scale. Um, and that's, I find it, you know, it, that's where the math side comes into it. I can try to be like, Hey guys, like, this is why it's not a good metric. It's taking everybody in population yeah. and creating these numbers where we know that, Hey, this thing is a little more objective when it comes to like a, a DEXA scan where you get lean and fat mass. Right. Um, so you want to be able to look at this whole picture. I'm sorry. I just kind of feel like this is a little bit of a change, but that's, it, it's how, how it all kind of works together with this umbrella is again, if you're symptomatic, right. Then you want to figure out what's going, what's going on and what's wrong. Yeah. Um, but for anybody, what, values aren't necessarily as big of a deal as whether you're not, you're sy- symptomatic or not. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's where I really appreciate the doctor I work for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he can look at it more, uh, objectively, right. He, he yeah. knows that the reason why these people are coming to us, um, is because there's something that's not working for them. And again, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, are they also kind of doing what my clients are doing and just don't have consistency? Yeah. But then, it, you know, but then again, hey, if this is what's going to make them make that life change, um, and that's what builds their consistency and accountability is knowing that they're also having the hormone to help back it. Uh, I mean, again, who am I to say that that's the wrong way of going about it, right? Motivation yeah. is different for everybody. Absolutely. So. So what are some of those, what are some symptoms that people may experience if they feel like, um, hormones might be something that they need to get looked at? So the common ones, weight gain, obviously, uh, uh, not sleeping well, uh, mood irritability would be another one. Um, no sex drive would be another one. Uh, I'd say brain fog or inability to concentrate for extended periods of times will be another one and um a uh, lack of energy or you're not seeing any performance increases in the gym right so it's kind of it's literally kind of it you know like it, and i think it's like it's a homogenous relationship that really that's going on here mm-hmm. um you need to have sleep in order to recover to feel well and if you don't sleep enough you're you know that's going to change your mood you're irritable right so it's all kind of related in the sense like yeah. one you can always go back and look at, Hey, which one of these things is really uh, being affected. And that's the one that you should focus on first with, with people. Yeah. You, know, you got to clean up the lifestyle aspect along with making sure the hormones are right. Right. Yeah, so and that's what I was going to yeah. say. It's like, these are all like symptomatic of hormone issues, but they're also symptomatic of lifestyle choices too. So you can't just start with someone and say, Hey, you need to go get a blood panel you know, drawn up and here's what you need to, to get, 
you know, we need to start a little bit more simply than that. We need to start with lifestyle Mm -hmm. changes. And, you know, what are some of those lifestyle changes that somebody could easily make to where Mm -hmm. they can see an improvement in their symptoms? And I think that is, that is, yeah, it's elegant. That's an elegant way of saying that, right? Every drug on the market, right? What's the first thing that you hear? along with diet and exercise, right. such and such may be able to do this. Yeah. And I, and I, in the back of my head, I laugh. It's like, well, uh, there are people that literally their body just doesn't produce things properly. Mm-hmm. So that drug might actually be very relevant, but knowing the, the ability to get your hands on delicious food at all times and the ability to stay up a, an hour later than you'll want to, right? Because you want to squeeze in that extra episode of Netflix, right? The, those different things that are going on are having an effect on you. And the biggest thing that you need to do is take a step back and realize that those things need to be addressed as well, right? Yeah. You're not just going to take a magic pill and it's going to make everything better. We still have people that take testosterone that are still fucking fat. <laughs> I mean, it, it's right. Like it doesn't make you skinny. You yeah. still got to go put in the work. Right. And well, and that's after know. years of staying up late and binge watching Netflix and being on your phone all day long and years of right. eating high inflammation foods and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. body is highly resilient, right? Like mm-hmm. we have people that live the shitty life, right. For 40 years, probably from their twenties to their 60, they come into us and Literally, we're make we're giving them some hormone. We're telling them how to exercise properly. We're telling them what to what to and what not to eat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and then from there, it's like you know they they make a full one eighty or you know and, and change their lifestyle completely. Now they're the and iron. They see, <laughs> and, and exactly, they went from being thirty plus percent body fat as a male into the low teens. Yeah. And they're like, well, what gives? It's like, well, you're fucking working out and you're working hard, right. eating well, and the testosterone might help clear up some of the mood issues and some of those other symptoms for sure. Uh, and obviously we're just talking about male health right now. Um, yeah. you know, it's a little more complicated for female health as I've come to learn. Um, and they're, yeah, exactly. They're, they're getting to this point where they're like, Whoa, man, like I feel a hundred percent better. What, you know, like, you know, it has to be just the, the hormone. It's like, mm, I think there's a lot of other things pulling that right. All those other functioning things that aren't just the the sex hormone, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are working appropriately as well. And so when everything's working, you know, think of it like a Ferrari, right. You get one yeah. part that breaks down, chances are, it's not going to run as well as it should. Right. right. You, right. you know, and it even that's where, you know, those analogies come from, right. If you don't put the right octane fuel into your race car, it ain't going to drive. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta think about what you're putting into yourself and how you expect to perform with your output and, I think that that's where they have that moment of clarity, like, oh, like I feel good now and I I should be eating these things and not those things. Well, and then once they realize how good they feel, they, you know, those are the things that they crave. Yeah. Every once in a while, you're still going to want some of the crappy food. But I think when people finally realize how good they can feel on extra sleep and high quality foods, like it becomes easier to make those good decisions. Exactly. And you know, I, I think to expect a hundred percent perfection is unrealistic as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. And as a coach, I know that, and you eventually just reach that burnout phase, unless you're a robot, we do have literally like a handful of people that can become a robot. And, uh, 
<laughs> and, and like they, you know, I just tell like from a macro standpoint or from uh, the clinical side that I work at, right. It's, yeah. you know, they literally are like down to a T like they, they, they know how their body reacts from, uh, from a glucose standpoint, mm-hmm. literally for every food by itself or when paired with other things, like, do you really want to live that way? Like you can, that you brings can up that a knowledge mindset issue with, with it, me yeah. <laughs> well, and I, and that the one individual I can think of, he's a doctor. So he, he appreciates data. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. Like I I'm like, if I had nothing else that he's a single dude in his fifties, like nothing else to really yeah. do or worry about. And the dude's a machine. He's like sub 10% body fat and yeah. looks fantastic. And, um, it's like, Hey, you know, you do you, but you know, at at some point in time, you know, like what happened, what, what happens when he does have the social situation come yeah. about? Exactly. You know, he, maybe he, maybe he'll get lonely when he retires and he, you know, you got to get a work in a vice every now and again. How is he going to handle that? Right. Cause right. Right. That doesn't work. It's almost a point where <laughs> you get obsessive about it. And then when you have to be in a position where you can't like track every little thing, you don't know how to make those decisions. You're armed with the tools to be able to, you know, withstand those situations. Hey guys, speaking of tools, have you heard the news? You know how I spent 10 years learning all the wrong ways to treat my body, always putting everyone else's needs before my own, followed by five years of bodybuilding? Talk about extremes, right? Well, guess what? I've compiled all of this experience into the newest Envision program that's going to be launching really soon. It's called Your Last Diet Ever. Your Last Diet Ever is broken down into four main phases, starting with the Envision Foundations course. We're going to teach you everything you need to have in your toolbox so that you never have to diet again. That's all I can tell you for now. You'll have to tune in to hear more. So please be sure to follow Envision Nutrition on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe on our website so you can get all the details. And I, of course, will be dripping some details to you on my platforms as well. In the show notes, I'll put the links to all of our pages for you. So be sure to follow us and add notifications so you can get the latest updates to all of our product launch details. Okay, back to the show. Right, 100%. And you, I almost, I challenge my patients regularly and my clients regularly to work in shitty foods yeah. because how are you going to handle it the next day? Are you just going to be like, mm, you know what? My diet's all messed up. I'm just going to go off deep end for a week. Or can you get back to what was, has been working and been doing well for you yeah. um, these last couple months? And I can think of one of my newest clients actually uh, that came to me. Uh, we've been working together two, two and a half months now. And she likes, she likes a little bit of wine, you know, on the weekends. And I know, you know, the, the hormone response that happens with alcohol, you know, I, I, I educate her on what's happening internally. I tell her like, I'm not, I'm not telling you to stop drinking. I'm telling you, how do we be mindful about this to handle your day? And, you know, as of now she's down to, she finally like beat a threshold weight this last week. She has a, a party today, actually, and we're addressing the lifestyle components along with the, you know, eating components that happens during the week. And I think that that's far more valuable to anybody because because she's happy. And when your emotion is happy, you don't view few, you don't demonize food, right? You know, you don't think I just yeah. need to lose five pounds and I'm going to be happy. Well, you think, and then you yeah. don't go into those those habit cycles of where. Mm-hmm 
well, I just derailed, so I might as well just continue and then I'm going to feel guilty about it. And then that's going to lead me into a whole nother issue. And it's just a cycle. Yeah. And so yeah. when you and to learn some of those, you know, like I always say, you have those tools in your toolbox to be able to get through those situations and be proud of yourself the next day. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. And um, I think the more that I've evolved as a coach, the more I realize the emotional component is more important than mm-hmm. any hormonal component to a degree and, and to any other component that there is, because as soon as I understand where my, what, what place my client is in, I'm able to, I, I'm able to address what's most important given those constraints. So again, that's, uh, that's always like the topic of conversations is bringing out emotion um, yeah. because that is, again, it a hundred percent drives way more decisions than people give it credit for. They won't look at it as black and white. They'll look at it as like, what's my mood right now? Right. And I mean, how big of a deal is emotional eating or emotional drinking, especially right now in COVID? I mean, it's a huge deal. It's honestly more than ever right now. Yeah. And my, both my parents are educators and they, um, they recently got wind of some statistics as it pertains to mental health of the, of the students. Right. Yeah. And they talked about suicide rates being up almost four, oh, yeah. four times as much for kids this year. And when I heard that the mental aspect, the emotional component and, yeah. you know, being a, being a newer father um, and another one on the way, I worry. And I, I really like the psychology of, of this job even more so. I want to figure out how to how to hack the psychology of it to make sure people and my kids can understand how to how to deal with things from that level. Because I think if you can build up some sort of mental whatever wherewithal, right? To mm-hmm. to handle these things in every situation that you you can realize that life isn't so bad and you know the decisions I'm making I need to stop making them because I'm not getting to my goal or the decision I'm making right now is happening because I don't currently have a goal. Right. So you, you have to under, again, the, we got to periodize. There's times to be perfect and eat perfectly because you want to look a certain way. Maybe you're going on vacation. Maybe you're going on stage, uh, you know, et cetera. Right. Maybe you have a photo shoot. Um, There's times where you, you need to be a little more lax. You're still diligent with what you're eating, but you, you know, that you're, you're in that phase where it's like, I'm working in some foods that I don't normally eat. (laughs) I got, I need some, I need some happiness in my life. Yeah. I like to talk, I like to call it the balance curve, like the bell curve, you know, Mm -hmm. here's like extreme over here's like totally nothing. And where are you at on that curve, you know, in your life? I want to circle back around to, um, so I, I hear so many couples, especially talk about or complain that, my husband and I started a diet together and my husband quit drinking pop and he lost 20 pounds and I've quit all uh-huh. that stuff and lost two. And you had mentioned that, you know, the female hormones, et cetera, are a completely different animal than the male. So like, why does that happen for females versus males? Most commonly. Uh, Obviously the there's probably like a whole bunch of, you yeah. know, depends on the individual, but for males, it's kind of, it's a little more black and white, right? Like, sure. you know, where your total testosterone needs to be, 
right? You know that you need some estrogen in there. You don't want it to be at zero. You want there to be some, but not so much that you become having some of the side effect symptoms, right? Yeah. Um, and then for, for women, you have to balance your estrogen along with progesterone, along with testosterone. So you have a three-headed monster, right? And finding the right ratio for that individual to feel good is, again, three versus one, right? You have to, you got to balance three versus one. And so usually when we do have a female come into our clinic, we'll say, it's going to take you three times as long as it's going to take your partner to see the result. And if you're not cool with that, like, you, you, we can't help you because we, we this is what we've seen. It's we, reality. And yeah. It's reality. And my, my doc is going to do the best he can to make it happen as soon as possible. But again, we just, you give a man testosterone, right. And you don't do an overly aggressive dose. They'll, they'll start seeing improvements. A woman, you give them testosterone. That's too, you know, and it's too high. Those other two are trying to react and, and balance internally, but they may not get to a number that's enough to help them with everything else that's going on. Uh, and so that's where it's like the, the subsequent lab work for those females is highly important. You can't just be like, you're going to get X, Y, Z, and it's going to work. It's like, we need to re we need to reconsider this in three months and see where you're at. Okay. The numbers, they look all right, but how do you feel? Mm -hmm. uh, they're like, Oh, I still don't have a drive. Okay. We'll, we'll bump up your, your testosterone a little bit. Cause that's going to give you a little bit more of a sex drive for the female. Cause that might be what they're sure. looking for. Um, and then, you know, going on yeah so again it's like to to get the ratio right might take a year or two for those females right and then then they're 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 fine and obviously you know they have also worked other components in but for the for the guy it was like from day one it's like things haven't changed and it's two years oh. later yeah. boom out the door and it's why it's why the patient base that we deal with is like 95 percent men and five percent women because the women, the turnover becomes much higher because they, they, they get frustrated. Right. And again, it goes back to the emotion. Emotionally, they can't handle it. Their partner took, you know, a quarter of the time to see the result that they did. But that's so great to bring up that, that expectation for a woman, like it's going to take you three times as long, you know, mm -hmm. it's like probably best case scenario, really. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's, same thing with even my clients that aren't on hormones. I tell them the same thing. Like your husband could probably count his macros and in a month he'll see a significant change, mm -hmm. right? Give me three months and I guarantee you'll be in a much better place. I guarantee we'll lose weight. You'll feel better. You'll be on the right track and you won't give up on yourself. Yeah. AKA the client I'm working with now. Mm -hmm. And even though her husband decided, eh, I don't really want to do any food counting. I'm not really into that because he knows he can see the result in the month because he's yeah. kind of built that into his head. Like I can just get it, get it off in a month. Yeah. She's taking this new approach, the long-term approach, which is honestly far more effective anyways, it right? Is. If you're getting something done in 30 days, you didn't have to work for it long enough to actually understand like the suffering. Days if it, you can, if it, you know, if you get yourself in that position again, shoot, what's yeah. you know? Yeah. And then welcome back to pop culture, right? Like mm -hmm. you, here's a 30 day shred plan. Boom. And then <laughs> you know, like here's your severely limited eating let's window and eating hormones some more. <laughs> Ex exactly. But so that's why it becomes so much more difficult because that, that balance is again, far more difficult for the doctors to do. And they know it takes time. And by the time they're actually like able to get to the next step, the woman's already given up. 
She's yeah. like, you can't help me either on to the next doctor. That's going to give me exactly. And, and so a lot of the ones that, you know, my, my doctor will be like, Hey, like, I need you to like articulate this to them, you know, cause I spend most of the day with these patients and when they come in, yeah. um, you need to, you know, let them know, like warm them up to the idea. It's going to take longer. Right. And so like, that's what I do. I'm, I'm telling them like, here's the expectation. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what you can see happen. And, you know, again, the, the most recent couple that we have, they're older, they're in their late sixties, early seventies. Right. Mm -hmm. She felt a little off. He felt a little off. We told him this thing. And actually she ended up seeing progress faster than the male and oh, what really? gives, and, and wow. this is the crazy part, right? She stuck to the diet plan to a T. Uh -huh. She knew that if I work super hard and diligent, I will see this result. And so she did just that. She, she stuck to it. She's like, I've already seen it. And then it, it came off in groves for her. And she's like, she was wearing a size 10 or 12 when she came in. Um, and then she's like, I'm swimming in a four now, like, wow. right. And, and so does it mean that, uh, you know, again, going back to the emotional thing that women, you know, even in that, uh, postmenopausal, uh, or when, or when they're in menopause rather, sorry, uh, or a perimenopausal phase where they're going through these mood swings, hot flashes, et cetera, the hormones are going all over the place and doing yeah. that dance. Like, uh, like what, what's going on? Right. Like, uh, the, I, I think that the, the emotion swings that come with the hormone swings are what are leading them to not see the result as quickly. Cause once a month, something's wearing its ugly head for seven days where they're not like able to comprehend or, you know, they're, they're making decisions that aren't as great, um, because they, they're looking for something to comfort them. Right. Yeah. And so that might, you know, you do three, two to, you know, and then I say three, like in a perfect world, three weeks of great and one week of bad. Right. Um, but realistically that one week of bad, we know from a calorie density point could be undoing everything they did for the first three weeks. Yeah. Right. Well, right. Too, women's cycles are so tricky, you know, I mean, cause mm -hmm. they, they could fluctuate eight pounds in a given cycle, you know, over 28, 31 days, whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah you know, there is a point too, where estrogen is super high and you're going to be retaining a lot of water and you feel like, you know, a blowfish at the moment, you know, that's just mm -hmm. the norm of a woman's cycle as well. You know, there's a lot of new information coming out and diet for your, you know, diet for your cycle. And that, I don't know if you've heard of all of that. Yeah. The, uh, like using like seed cycling and helping mm -hmm. your, your different phases. And yeah, I mean, actually one of my more recent clients talked about how you know, her cycle for using progesterone. Uh, and this is a nutrition client, not the patients I work with, with my doctor. Right. So this person, I, I'm like, well, it, that doesn't seem as common as what I'm seeing from our clinic when we're dealing with our females. Like, I don't, I don't know if your doctor knows what the fuck she's doing. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry because they're not hormone experts. It's just like her general practitioner. Yeah. That's the benefit of like my doctor, all he does is deals with people's hormones and maximizing and optimizing. Well, and there, then there is a big difference, right? Like, I mean, right? your, your general doctor knows a lot of different subjects, but only so deep on all of them, you know, whereas mm -hmm. you an actual specialist, they may not know a lot of different topics, but they know a lot about one topic. So it is important to be working with the right professional too. 100% percent and uh you know and that's where <laughs> i talk to some people some older gentlemen at the gym they talk about 
oh, I went to my endocrinologist. They're giving me 200 milligrams of test a week. And in my head, I'm like, that's what you started at? Like, that's kind of aggressive. You know, like your doctor just, like, yeah, just, you know, I'm doing a full CC, you know, a week kind of thing. I'm like, okay. Like, you're probably I, and a again, diabetes specialist or something instead of an actual, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, I mean, yeah, that's not overly aggressive, right? Per se. Uh But, you know, wouldn't you rather it be, wouldn't you rather have less? It's like everything that goes on, it's like, wouldn't you rather take less of something than take more of it? More doesn't always mean better. Absolutely. If if we can get along naturally for mm -hmm. as long as we can, why don't we want to do that? I want to go back to the topic about alcohol and the effects on female hormones, because I think that's a huge one. Right. We'll, we'll call it empty calories yep. because, you know, it's still seven grams or sorry, seven calories per gram of alcohol, whatever that actually looks like. I don't really know. Right. Like what's a gram of alcohol. Like I can, right. I can visualize a gram of sugar, you know, I can visualize a gram of protein, right. Or, you know, like it, it's like, what is that? Oh, that yeah. one's still, I need to see it. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like I need to see that visually. Uh, but the, the math in you, know, you, that's the math guy. Uh, right there. Yeah, that is the math in me. Um, so you, you get the benefit of the insulin result, right? The fat storage hormone, right? Uh And that, that goes up, right? As you're consuming alcohol, right? And you could have been eating perfectly clean earlier in the day and eating low glycemic foods and watching, you know, keeping your blood sugar down and your insulin was, you know, down to, you know, maybe one to three or whatever that number value might be for you. Um, and you're, then you start drinking and boom, it skyrockets the insulin because it's just the, the, way, the way that impacts people. And also then you get to see like, like something's going on in the liver and how everything else is being processed. So, um, that's what happens. The fat storage hormone goes up, right? So when yeah. that hormone is circulating in the body, it is trying to do exactly what it's doing now pair that with people working in a caloric deficit, you're, you're kind of the whole idea of eating super clean and, and having a deficit is to try to keep that number, you know, down, right. You don't want it to elevate ever because you're, you're trying to create a new composition that you are unhappy with. But once it starts circulating, it could lead to additional fat storage. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why it will lead to that. Uh, for in the most layman's terms as I can think of, right. It's a little more complex than that, but, uh, and you know, insulin can't, you know, you see bodybuilders using insulin to help with replenishing muscle glycogen and using it after big workouts. And right. So I think that there's like some, a little bit of gray area. It can help with certain things in the right maybe anabolic environment for, for people. Right. Um, because it, it does help with that. Um, but in this sense, it does the exact opposite. So it's like, it, I don't know how it knows how to discriminate, but sometimes it's like, Hey, I'm working on a diet. I'm going to start drinking insulin spikes. It's just going to store it as fat. And then how it works in the reverse sense, uh, that mechanism, I've been trying to research it and try to figure it out, but it, it seems like maybe they don't really know how it, how it truly all operates. They just know that the, the one of the biggest consequences of it is the fat storage. And so somebody that is trying to, you know, change their lifestyle habits, um, lose mm-hmm. some weight, feel better. What would you recommend as far as alcohol intake on a weekly basis for that individual? <laughs> I think, uh, 
you need what you truly need is probably one day. Like if you're going to get it in, like actually enjoy a buzz, don't do a little bit each day. So think of it as like, if you have pulses occurring every single day at the same time, you're pulsing that fat storage hormone. And as a result, you're storing more fat than you want to. Right. So you're like, Oh, one, one drink a day and it's not the end of the world. And it's supposedly healthy because it's wine. And it's like, well, well, no, in this case, a little bit each day is probably what's causing you not to see the result. So if you move it to one day, you get one spike, it's, it's less likely to have that long-term effect or you kind of plateau out a little bit more. Okay. Uh, So you're saying basically, yeah, you could be drinking five ounces of wine at night once a day. mm -hmm. And that's worse than just having a day of binge drinking. So you're basically opening up the floodgates anyways. So yes, don't do it every single day. Exactly. Right. And that, that type of thing is then, you know, you could lead yourself into being a little resistant to the effects of it. So then your body has to then churn out more of that hormone in order for it to operate appropriately. Right. Mm -hmm. And if that number elevates too high, then you're like, you know, Marcos, Hey, what gives, um, the, the biggest thing that then happens is that the, the, the body is, not able to process it down. And so when it's circulating being so high, it it views it as an enemy all the time. Right. And, and then you're never seeing results and you reach those people like nothing's worked for me. What gives? (laughs) And you know, that's where you ask that question immediately on your intake form. They're like, I've been a drinker five, five drinks, but I have like just one a day. And then you try to break them on that habit for sure. Got it. That's very good information to know. Um, So I'm curious, you're, you know, a recent new father, how has your fitness and nutrition changed since becoming a dad or, or has it, do you have a different understanding of parents now, or has it changed at all? Oh man, my appreciation for parents has increased exponentially as I've had my own kids. Uh, I used to, when I was just, you know, a kid rather, uh, I would say like, why is it so fucking hard for these parents to just not eat the shit, you know, or, you know, (laughs) or why can't they hit their macros? And I'm like, what's so hard? What gives, you know, as I'm just training, all I have to worry about is training and coaching people. Uh, And then I'm like, Oh, this is what gives because you have routines that are established for your kid. And uh, I think that, you know, once you realize how much time you have to devote to helping that little creature, (laughs) <laughs> do do its most basic tasks uh you don't have time for yourself and it becomes increasingly more difficult to be as stringent to your to your plan right and adhering to it um and so my my lifestyle is like i gotta get everything done when, while they're asleep <laughs> yep. uh, so my my gym schedule is bright and squirrely so there's no interruptions from either my wife or my kid uh and then my uh the eating has turned into a, uh, an approach that's very intuitive um, and, and focuses more on whole foods and hitting a, a protein number um, mm-hmm. than having perfection because there's not, well, granted, there's nothing to train for right now. So it's, it's easier to mentally wrap my head around that. And then I, I give into the temptation and vices a little bit more. So, um, <laughs> because, you know, and, and, and within reason though, I try to only make it happen on the weekends, yeah. right? Make it 
an event or something that's happening with the family versus it just happening every night just because it's around. So, um, you know, I I try to apply similar principles that I would tell people about how to approach a social event day or, you know, how to approach something that's coming up that's actually, you know, fun or something you're training for. Um, And that I think that's blended the approach and helped me figure out how to help other people Um, even if they don't have kids, how to go about understanding to make these, you know, exception days and how to, how to do it and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. Yeah. You learn a lot more about efficiency and understanding Mm -hmm. when you have kids and you're busy and you know, you have all the things life's not just about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) No, my, my, my workouts, my life, everything comes second to, to the family. And I try to, you know, I, I know I plan it as putting myself first because I know that that's, if I, if I'm not doing things that make me happy, I'm no good to my family. Cause then I could re- start to resent them. So even when I tell that to a client, I'm like, look, if you don't put yourself first, you're, you're going to be frustrated with those people and they're not doing anything wrong. They don't know that this is important to you. Mm-hmm. Right. I have to tell them like, this is important to me. So I make it happen. And yep. yeah, it might cause, it might cause a little bit of uh, an issue with my wife every now and again, but she totally understands because she's just as devoted to, to working out as I am. Yeah. Um, if not for just the mental release of it, but for the, you know, the, the physical change aspect, the, the being able to regulate body weight and stuff like that. So, um, you know, you're no good. Like I, I love saying that you're no good to anybody if you're unhappy. So make yourself happy first. I like that point that you brought up because I think so many people think that, you know, putting themselves first is a selfish thing, but reality it's, it's completely the opposite. You're happier person. If you do the things that you need to do to have a full bucket, Mm -hmm. you can give to others a lot better. Yeah. To, to be selfless, you must be selfish at times. And it's, you know, uh, I mean, I feel guilty for saying it, but it's, it's true. Like it's, you have to time block it for yourself. You have to build that schedule for yourself. So figure out how you can make it happen because something's got to give somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and absolutely. if, you know, I did, I'm like, I, I, people don't know this obviously is they probably don't really know me. I gained like 30 pounds when my wife got pregnant and I was very unhappy with myself and I was just putting her first. So here I am at 235 pounds at the time feeling fat, no motivation, eating like shit. I'm like, I'm a nutrition coach. Like what, like what gives, like I'm, I'm in a dark place. Like I felt depressed. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, you just got to cut the shit. Like you got to put yourself first to a degree. You have to make these, those simple things happen. Even if it's just for an hour, like an hour a day can get it done. Like you're not a regionals athlete anymore. You're not competing. Like just do it so you can start seeing results and have fun with it. And, uh, when that started happening and I, I made that like mental shift into that direction become a far better father because because of it a far better coach because of it i start to understand like where people have struggled and i can be like this is where you're going to go back to if this doesn't happen so yeah exactly not only that but our moods are so affected when we don't feel our best too we don't treat other people our their best you know the way we should always yeah and you don't want it it's not their fault it's it's yeah. poor decision-making. You have no one to blame but yourself. So yeah. I had to look at myself in the mirror and say like, 
The only reason why you are this way is because you had no self-control because you like to eat too much. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, Marcos, and make something of it, or you can continue to bitch and complain. (laughs) I love that. And that's probably where I should have hired a coach. Yeah. And everybody can benefit from having that accountability partner in their life too. Especially, you know, we tend to second guess our own selves (laughs) when it comes to what is the best thing for us. Yeah. It's usually another person. You need someone to, to take ideas and, and give them like the hairs where I'm thinking and you got to throw ideas off each other back and forth and have that kind of relationship that it can allow for, you know, personal growth. Right. And that's what the coach should constantly be looking for is finding ways to help gain personal growth. And some weeks it's not even macro related. Um, actually most weeks it's not, it, it, it's generally let's figure it out, like what's going on and how we can move forward. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Um, how can our listeners connect with you online? Social media. I'll be on um, Instagram. It's at macros with Marcos. That's my handle there. Uh, I do have a Facebook page. I don't really utilize it as much, but some people do message me occasionally with some questions there. And that's just Marcos Rivera. And other than that, I don't have anything else. I try to after watching the social dilemma, I'm like, maybe I should purge myself of a lot of these things because I want, I want to be there and for people and and deal with people in, in this type of context, um, talking to them versus just on my screen. Yep. So there's definitely value in that. You can also find him on our website, team nutrition.com. There's a little biography about him on there. Um, I'll put it in the show notes so that you don't have to worry about spelling, but thank you again, Marcos. I certainly appreciate it. You taught us a lot. (laughs) about, you know, what it is to value your time and value yourself and going from, you know, a high level CrossFit athlete to, you know, a new dad and everything in between. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your day today. You're welcome, Amanda. And I will talk to you soon. If you liked this episode, please be sure to tune in every single Tuesday morning. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, Facebook page, or any of your social media platforms so that we can help others become the best versions of themselves. We so appreciate you listening in and until next time, keep your goals high, but each step attainable.